0: Galatians 4. Well, this, this week has been a little bit of an unusual week uh, for me. Starting Tuesday night into Wednesday, uh, everyone in my home uh, got really sick. And, uh, and so because I've been at home taking care of sick people most of the week, I'm not used to being around people with so much energy. I mean, I don't know if you guys have, have felt that or seen that, but you guys are, this is a room full of energy. Uh, you guys are sitting upright. Uh, most of you have changed out of your pajamas. Uh, your eyes are still open. Um, and so just for my sake, just tone it, tone it down a little bit, all right? We're going to stay a little bit more calm. That's, that's kind of what I've gotten used to uh, this week. But thankfully, uh, Brit and the boys, they are getting better. They've, they've hopefully made their way now down to the TV room and are joining with us on the live stream. Um, but I know many of you have been dealing uh, with illnesses in, in your homes or uh, at work or, or uh, whatnot. So I know it's, it's that time of year, things, things are going around. But being around people who are sick, uh, it can really start to make you feel insecure about your own health status, can't it? I mean, uh, you you know, you were probably even feeling pretty good about your current state of health until you heard that you're now trapped in a, a, a room with a guy who's been with sick people all week. And it's not that well ventilated in here. Uh, The ceilings are low. And so maybe even right now, you're starting to feel a little uncomfortable. You're starting to feel a little insecure. And, uh, and, And the more that you idolize your health, the more that you grasp onto control, try to control it and find your identity in it, the more insecure you will feel when something threatens it. And you see, we we all have insecurities, and this week I've felt very insecure about my health, not knowing what day I was going to wake up and be sick as well, fearful that today might be the day and Sunday might be the day, and and yet it has not yet happened. But we all have insecurities, some of us us more than others. Uh, Many of us, we feel insecure about our body image. Many of us, we feel insecure about our social status. Or we feel insecure about our finances. Or we feel insecure about our relationships. And some of us, even sadly, feel insecure in our relationship with God. And what insecurity really is, is it's a a form of fear mixed with pride with a little idolatry sprinkled in. Okay, that's what insecurity is. And, and you can trust me, I know how to make a handful of recipes. Okay, uh, This week I have proven myself to be able to make some really good ramen noodles uh, that the boys have loved. I know how to make cereal. I know how to make bananas. All right? I've, been, I've been going above and beyond at home in my recipe making. But this is how you make insecurity. This is how insecurity is made in our hearts. You get a little bit of fear. You, you mix in a little bit of pride. And you sprinkle in some idolatry, and voila, you've got insecurity. Insecurity. But insecurity is really meant to serve as a temporary warning to us that something is not right in our heart, it's not meant to be an accepted long term part of our identity. And what I mean is that I think some of us, we too readily throw up our hands and when we feel all these insecurities rising up in our hearts and we surrender to the fear and we surrender to the pride and we surrender to the idolatry and we say, well, I'm just an insecure person. I'm just an insecure person. This is just how I am. Everyone, please accept me for me. I'm insecure and you will just have to deal with all the repercussions of that. But this morning, my hope and prayer for you is that you would see when insecurity rises up in your hearts that that is a warning sign that something's not right in your heart. You see, we we many times feel insecure when our identity feels threatened or what we're looking to for our, our identity feels threatened. But if our identity is ultimately found in God and who He says we are, then should we really ever feel that insecure? Can God be threatened? No, but when we look to other things other than God for our identity, when we've set up idols in our hearts, we will feel insecure when the idols of our hearts are threatened. For example, when we are finding our identity in our body image, then if illness or aging threatens that, then we feel insecure. When we are finding our identity in our relationships or our job performance or our financial statement, then when those things are threatened, then we will feel insecure. And one of the reasons that it is important to address our insecurities this morning is because it is actually our security in God that frees us for Christ-like formation. It's our security in God that frees us for Christ-like formation, and it is our insecurities that are holding us back from becoming more and more like Christ. And so the title of this morning's sermon is Secure Sons and Daughters. Secure Sons and Daughters. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about how we are children of God, sons and daughters of God. Look, look back in Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7. These were the last two verses of last week's sermon. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Remember, Paul has just finished telling the Galatians that they are all sons And remember, he calls men and women sons because he's teaching them that everyone in Christ receives a great inheritance. And in that time, daughters didn't receive an inheritance. And so he's saying, no, in Christ, you've all received sonship. You're still all sons and daughters, but you've all received sonship because you all receive a great inheritance in Christ. This is your identity. In Christ, you are sons and daughters of God. You are invited to call God your father. And that's what what we've been talking about these last few weeks in Galatians. You are sons and daughters of of God. You can call him your father. And now today, we need to see that you are secure sons and daughters. We've been talking about how we're sons and daughters. Today, we're going to talk about we are secure sons and daughters because, church, our insecurities are holding us back from becoming more and more like Christ But in Christ, you are secure sons and daughters, and it is our security in God that frees us for Christ-like formation. And so where we're going today is first we'll see, our first point will be that secure sons and daughters don't have to go back to the prison of paganism. It's kind of a long point. I'll explain it when we get to that. But then we'll see that what secure sons and daughters have been freed from and what they have been freed for. All right? Freed from and freed for, but before we do, let's pray. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you already for today. Uh, Lord, all the, all the blessings and, and and the ways that, Lord, you have uh, been good to us. And uh, even just hearing these reports from El Salvador, Lord, we we praise you for the work that you are doing there. We praise you for the work you've been doing through Joni and others that have been going and... God, we ask now that as we open up your word that you would do a miraculous work right here, right now. As your word is proclaimed, as your your truth goes forth, Lord, would you please bless the words that are coming out of my mouth, God. May it only be your truth. And Lord, may you bless our hearts as we hear this and receive it, God. May your word take deep root in our lives. May it bear good fruit. All for your praise. Please, Lord. Bless this time of preaching and receiving your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first point is secure sons and daughters don't have to go back to the prison of paganism. Look with me at Galatians 4, verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Well, first, what are these elementary principles that come up in this passage? Or some of your translations might say, elemental spirits. And this term, elementary principles of the world, it could refer to to three things. It's a term that is sometimes used in reference to the basic principles of religious teaching, like the Old Testament law or something like that. It can also refer to the basic elements of the physical world, world, like earth, wind, fire, water. It can also, and, and then most commonly is used by Paul, in reference to spiritual entities, Okay, Think, think uh, how Paul uses language to the Ephesians and Colossians where he's talking about principalities and powers and rulers and authorities. In an oversimplified way, we, we think of these as angels and demons, although there's probably a hierarchy there that we don't fully understand or comprehend. And this is what I think that Paul is using elementary principles of the world in reference to. He's, he's referring to these spiritual entities and we see that he goes into that a little bit more in Colossians and Ephesians. That's, that's one reason I think that's what, what he's using, uh, why he's using that in this way here. But also remember about these believers in Galatia. Many of them are Gentiles. And before they became Christians, it's not like they converted out of atheism. There weren't many atheists back then. No, they became Christians out of paganism, where they were worshiping false gods and idols who were backed by demonic powers. And you see, in paganism, as well as with most other religions, uh, it differs from Christianity in that religious practices and worship and sacrifices and prayers or chants, they're all done in an attempt to manipulate and control some false demon god to do something for that person. Now, most of the time, nothing happened because these elementary principles, as as God's word says, are weak and worthless compared to the one true God. But sometimes things have happened because even the demonic powers do have some degree of spiritual power. But what always happens is in paganism, the worshiper is trying to use the false god or elements for their own ends right? They're trying to use whatever deity or power or God, they're trying to use them for selfish purposes, to worship themselves, to worship the creation rather than the creator. And as they're trying to do that, what is happening behind the scenes is that the false god is actually enslaving the worshiper to the worship of creation instead of the worship of the creator. And so what's happening in Galatia is that many pagans have now become Christians. They've been freed from paganism. But now some false teachers have have introduced the Old Testament Jewish laws to them. And instead of using the law rightly to point them to Christ, they're now tempted to use the law and use it in a very pagan way. To, to take these laws and to say, well, okay, you mean, you mean if I circumcise myself and I observe this holy day and that holy day and I don't eat this and I do eat this? Are you saying if I do all these things, then I can manipulate and control God for, to, for him to have to do what I want him to do? That if I can do this, this, and this, then he owes me and now God has to do what I say. You see, some of the Galatians, they were feeling a little insecure with this whole justified by grace through faith stuff. It seemed a little too easy. Are you sure we can really be secure with that? They were were feeling insecure with even God being called their father. And so now they're being tempted to go back to paganism. And God's word says, no, 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 no. no. That's how you lived when you didn't know God. Don't go back to the prison of of paganism. Don't go back to trying to use God to worship yourself. You'll never find true security there. And, church, this is a warning for you, and this is a warning for me. Don't go back to using God to worship the creation. Don't go, don't go back to using God to worship yourself. Don't come in here and take what we learn from God's word and go use it like a pagan would use it to worship the creation and not the creator. Don't go back to saying, God, I, I did this and this for you. Now you owe me. Now you owe me. I mean, no wonder some of you feel insecure. You, you think God is like one of the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. And as long as you go back and treat God this way, treat God as a God who can be manipulated and controlled by his creation. As long as you go back and you treat God as one who, who we can use to worship ourselves. Listen, as long as you go back to doing that, you will never feel secure. <laughs> And you will never be freed for Christ-like formation because that's not who God is and that's not what God's like. We were enslaved to sin and the worship of self and the worship of creation back when we did not know God. We had no security. We had to keep up the practices and performance in order to have some sense of control and security in life. But church, where is our security really found? And this is really the, the, the crux of this morning. You, you can't miss this. And it happens in verse 9, which could be quickly read through. But church, where is our security really found? Look at verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. Now, listen, this is important. When God's word speaks about God knowing people or people knowing people, it is describing much more than merely an intellectual, factual knowledge about people. All right? For example, back in Genesis, Adam knew Eve, God's word says, and nine months later they had a baby. Okay, so hopefully I don't have to spell that out for you, but that was more than just learning like trivia facts about Eve. Something deeper was happening there. When God says that he knows people, it means he has set his affection upon them. He has chosen to enter into an intimate relationship with them. Jesus warned us that there will be some people at the end of time who do a bunch of stuff in his name and he will look at them and cast them out and say, I never knew you. That's not counter to him being omniscient and knowing all things. He's saying, I never knew you in the way that the Bible talks about knowing someone. Jesus says, I never, there are gonna be some people that Jesus says, I never knew you. And Paul is telling the Galatians that they are secure sons and daughters because they've come to know God. And then he drills down into an even deeper truth. He kind of pulls back the curtain, goes a little deeper, and he says, No, actually, you are sons, secure sons and daughters because God knows you. Because God knows you. Well, for all of us who are prone to insecurity, how do we know if God knows us? If this is where true security is found, how do we know God knows us? And I believe this is simpler than we sometimes make it. We'll put up 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3, and we'll leave it on the screen for a bit. It says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now get this. I'm going to share a little bit of the, the, the tense that these verbs are written in in the Greek. If anyone loves God, that's written in the present tense. Present tense. We all understand present tense. It's presently happening right now. But if anyone loves God presently, he is known by God. That is written in the perfect tense. The the perfect tense of a verb in Greek, it describes an action that was completed in the past with ongoing effects in the present. But if anyone loves God, present tense, he is known by God, past tense. So if anyone loves God today in the present, that does not earn you the right to be known by God in the future. No, that is evidence that God in the past has set his affection upon you. A love of God does not earn you the right to be known by God. It is evidence that God already knows you. Listen, you in your sin, you did not have the spiritual power to muster up even a hint of love for God. Don't give yourself that much credit. Yes, you loved yourself. Yes, you loved your sin. We were all really good at that. Some of us even loved using religion to worship ourselves and to love ourselves. But when God set his affection upon you, when he initiated an intimate relationship with you, that is what enabled your heart to love him. We love because he first loved us, church. And until you believe that, until you can look at 1 Corinthians 8, 3 and believe that, until you can look at Galatians 4, verse 9 and believe that, until you can do that, you'll probably always struggle with insecurity. Because true security is found in being known by God. If anyone loves the one true God, He has been and will forever be known by God. That's your security, church. God knows you. Be secure in that. Secure sons and daughters don't have to go back to the prison of paganism. They don't have to go back and use God to worship themselves. They don't have to go back and use God to worship the creation. They don't have to go back and use religion to manipulate God to get him to do what you want them to, him to do know now any sort of spiritual discipline or religious observance or habit of grace that we participate in, a secure son and daughter does those things not to earn God's favor, but as evidence of God already setting his affection on you. And now we participate in these things to know God more and more and enjoy a more intimate relationship with him. We don't do all these different things that you do in Christianity. We don't do these to try to, you know, make it so God now owes us. We do these things to know God more, to enjoy God more, to experience a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. Don't go back to living like a slave to self and a slave to sin, a slave to all your insecurities, Live as a secure son and daughter, church. It is that security in God that frees us. Frees us for what, you might ask? What does our security in God now free us from and free us for? Well, look back with me at Galatians 4, verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Notice the first thing that secure sons and daughters are freed from and freed for is that they are freed from their plans for God's plans. A secure son and daughter has been freed from their plans for God's plans. Look at the insight we get as to how Paul ended up preaching the gospel of grace to the people in Galatia. He says in verse 13 that it was because of a bodily ailment that he preached the gospel to them at first. Now the Galatians knew what that bodily ailment was and knew what he was talking about. We we don't. We can only kind of speculate what was going on there. Some people speculate that Paul had picked up malaria on the Mediterranean, and so he went up into the highlands of Galatia to recuperate, all right? That's, that's what some people speculate. Some people speculate this bodily ailment was, was Paul's thorn in the flesh that he speaks of uh, that torments him throughout his ministry. He mentions it in 2 Corinthians 12. Some speculate that this was some sort of eye disorder that that the apostle had, because he says later in verse 15, he says they would have been willing to even gouge out one of their eyes and give it to him. We don't know for sure. We can only speculate what this bodily ailment was, but what we do know for sure is that the gospel of grace initially arrived in the region of Galatia because of a bodily ailment which I'm guessing was not part of Paul's five-year mission plan, right? He wasn't brainstorming and uh, having a whiteboard meeting with other pastors and missionaries about how to get the gospel into Galatia. And they're talking about, you know, should we, do a, uh, should we raise finances? Should we do a, a financial, you know, raise some funds for this? Should we, should we get some gospel tracts and go leave them at tables for our waiters and waitresses instead of leaving actual tips? Like, what, how, how should we get the gospel into Galatia? And Paul says, I've got it. Hear, hear me out. What if I get malaria? And that's how it ends up going into Galatia. That's not, that's not what happened. This was not part of Paul's plan. But you see, church, a secure son and daughter is freed from their plans for God plans. And side note, please do not leave gospel tracks without big tips. Uh, if you go to tables and uh, restaurants here in Franklin, Okay. But God, in his wisdom, he has used physical illnesses, weaknesses, and diseases to accomplish his plans. Some of you in this last year, it was not a part of your plan, but it was in God's that you would have a significant hospital ministry the past couple of years. And if your personal health is not an idol in your heart where you're finding your ultimate identity and security, then you as a secure son or daughter can be freed from your plans for God's plans. Nothing's wrong with making plans for your life, but you should know that they rarely ever go according to your plans. But we can take heart because we've been freed from our plans for God's plans. The wisdom of Proverbs 16 verse 9 says the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Paul sees that his physical ailment was used by God to bring the gospel to Galatia, to accomplish a greater and more glorious purpose than even he could have planned on. Can we be secure enough in God to see that happening in our lives as well? Secure sons and daughters are freed from their plans for God's plans. Secure sons and daughters are also freed from using people to instead love people. Secure sons and daughters are freed from using people to instead love people. Look at how the Galatians initially received a physically weak Paul in verse 14. Galatians 4.14. And though my condition was a trial to you, You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. The Galatians initially loved Paul the way they loved Christ. They received Paul the way they would have received Jesus. If Paul would have even asked for one of their eyes, he he believes that they would have gouged out an eye and given it to him. Now contrast that to the false teachers that he references here in this passage. He says the false teachers are making much of the Galatians by flattering the Galatians. Not out of love for them though, but so that the Galatians will make much of them. You see, someone who is not secure in God is enslaved to using people. The false teachers in Galatia were using the Galatians for their selfish purposes. They they were flattering them so that the Galatians would turn around and make a big deal about them and flatter them. And church, that's not, that's not loving people. That's using people. And insecure people are really good at using people and not very good at loving people. They're so insecure, they're so fearful because they know the idols of their heart are insecure and they're too proud to confess or repent or ask for help about it. And so instead, they're going to use people to prop their idol up instead of humbly ask for help from people to tear their idols down. The more insecure you are, the more you will use people to keep the idols of your heart standing up. But secure sons and daughters are the ones who are freed from using people and they can now truly start loving people. They can love people like they love Jesus. They can receive people into their life who maybe make life a little bit more inconvenient and uncomfortable, but they can love them like they love Jesus. And some of you, you you stand in awe of some other brothers and sisters in the church that 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 do this so well. Their ability to love people is is so big. It's 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 sometimes hard to believe. And you're like, How is that possible? How can these people love people so well? And I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not because people are easy to love. It's not that you just get, need to get to know someone a little bit more and then it'll be easier to love them. I've actually found the opposite of that in most cases is true. There are two exceptions to that. I would say Brittany and Jesus in my life. Uh, and we should probably reverse the order. Jesus and then Brittany. The more I've gotten to know them, the easier it is to love them. But in most other cases, the more you get to know a person, actually the more difficult it is to love them. The more you work with a person, the longer you're in church with a person, the longer you, you see one another's weaknesses and, and, and their strengths and, and all these different things. Like It actually gets more difficult to love people the more you get to know them. So the secret is not to just, I just need to get to know people better. That's not what unlocks and frees you to actually be able to love people better. No, the secret is getting to know Christ more. The more we get to know Christ, the easier it becomes to love people. Because you start loving people the way Jesus loves you. The reason some of you are bad at loving people is because you're not experiencing and enjoying the way Christ loves you. But once you start there, then you can start loving people, not because they're so great, but because you know that Jesus loves them as well. This is something that only secure sons and daughters can really be freed and empowered to do, to love people like Jesus loves people. Because insecure people will be stuck using people. Secure people will love people. Security in God frees us to love people and not use people. The next thing we see is that our security in God frees us to receive God's care. Our security in God frees us to be able to receive God's care. Back when I worked in the emergency department, when the police would pick someone up who was heavily intoxicated or under the influence of something, uh, if they had any sort of medical condition or medical concern going on as well, they would usually give the people the option of either going to the hospital or going to jail. And you can guess which one they typically picked. (laughs) Now, maybe sometimes pick, people pick jail. In all, in all fairness, like, I guess I only saw the people that picked the hospital. I didn't see the ones that are like, no, I've been to the hospital. I'll take jail over that, uh, some, I, I, would, I would have to think about it for a moment. As someone who's worked in the hospital, I would at least pause and, and weigh my options. But, uh, but to me, like people would pick the hospital, and then we would be stuck having to babysit them and make sure that they didn't hurt themselves until they sobered up or they came to their senses. And even though they were in the hospital, though, most of them, they couldn't even really receive the care they needed, because while they're under the influence of these things, they were very violent and angry, and they would fight us, and they would uh, shout at us, and they they wouldn't be agreeable, and and, and a lot of them were really violent. We even had, like, one one nurse had her her finger bitten off, and I've seen more people tased than I care to to ever see again, and, and so just a lot of violence and things can happen in an emergency department. Which, which, from my perspective, if you come out of an emergency department visit and you're still alive and you have not been tased, that is a good visit, okay? <laughs> you should leave good reviews for that hospital, all right? And so this is the proposal that's in front of the Galatians and is in front of you and me. Do you want to go to jail or do you want to go to the hospital? And if you pick the hospital... Are you ready to receive the care that you need? Only secure sons and daughters are really freed to receive the care that they need. Look with me now at verse 15. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you would make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Church, let me ask you to consider this for yourself. What has become of your Blessedness. You who have been justified by God's grace through faith. You who have received the Holy Spirit and you've been adopted into the family of God. What then has become of your blessedness? Some of you, in your insecurity, you've you've chosen to go back to the prison of paganism instead of the hospital. And others of you have decided to go to the hospital, but you've decided to fight the staff and not receive the care that you really need. Because you've started to do what the Galatians started to do. Look at verse 16. Look at what the Galatians had started to do. In verse 16, some of the Galatians had started to view Paul as an enemy because he told them the truth. An insecure person cares more about how people view them than what people actually speak to them. And whether or not what they actually speak to them is truth. The false teachers were flattering the Galatians and enticing their past pagan desires. Paul is telling them the truth and now they're starting to view Paul as the enemy. And so for all the the pastors and all the future pastors in the room, this this is really, really important. You will be, like Paul, viewed as an enemy by some people because of the truth you tell them. Insecure people do not want the truth. They want flattery they want the false what the false teachers have to offer them they don't want to receive god's care for them through receiving god's truth for them but secure sons and daughters they've been freed to receive God's care. They can receive the word of truth spoken to them in love from a pastor or from another brother or sister or through the the spirit working, even as they're reading the, the scriptures on their own. They're ready and now freed to be able to receive God's care for them through God's truth being spoken to them. And what happens sadly to insecure sons and daughters, insecure people start to lose sight of who their real enemies are and who their real friends are. They can't see who's who, and and, and so they can't see who's using them and who's loving them. And so listen, if someone has spoken truth to you, Think back in your past. If someone has spoken truth to you, or you can, at least, you can at least say, I believe their intent was to speak truth to me. They opened up God's word with me. There was an attempt to speak truth to me. If someone has spoken truth to you, even if it was poorly timed, even if it was imperfectly given, even if it hurt at first, I'm telling you, that person is not your enemy. They are your friend. You do have enemies, though. But that person is not one of them. Because ultimately, they want what Paul wants for the Galatians. And and what does he want? Look Look at the pastor's heart here in verse 19. I mean... There's been portions of uh, of this book uh, this letter to the Galatians where he's like calling them fools calling them idiots like he's he's speaking some harsh rebukes here but look at the pastor's heart here in verse 19 he says my little children my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you Now listen, Paul does here what no other man other than an apostle can do. He compares his work with the pain of childbirth, okay? Sometimes the word of God is prescriptive and descriptive. Men, I do not think you should follow that example by the apostle Paul here, okay? Apostles can say things that we can't say. Apostles can say, thus saith the Lord, and then speak God's word apostles can compare their ministry work with the pain of childbirth. You cannot, okay? So all the men, let's get on the same page. We're not going to do that, but Paul does it here, so I'm not going like, to diss it, but I'm going to say, I think Paul can do some things that we can't always do. But look at the heart here, all right? And ladies, if you can move past that comparison and not hold it against them, look at, the, look at his heart here. And look at what God's care flowing through Paul to the Galatians, should ultimately produce. He says, my little children, I am again in anguish for you until Christ is formed in you. The apostle Paul, he's he's confused, he's perplexed, he's in anguish over the churches in Galatia. Pastors and future pastors, this, this is the work of pastoral ministry. It doesn't always show up on, uh, on, a, on paper or on a time clock, but the, it consists in continually being in anguish and in prayer over the people that God has entrusted to you and, and trying to discern what they need and what they don't need and what they need to hear and wanting to help reconcile where we can reconcile and help people grow where they can grow and you struggle and you fight and you labor ultimately so that Christ would be formed in the people that God has entrusted to you. We labor and we struggle ultimately so that the church would become more and more like Christ. This is the end goal of God's care for you. It is that you would become more and more like Christ. And so regardless of if you're a pastor or a future pastor or or none of those things, This applies to everyone in here. If you really love someone, and you're not just there to use them or manipulate them or get what you can from them, if you actually love someone, you actually care about someone, if you actually want the best for someone, then ultimately you should want them to become more and more like Christ, for Christ to be formed in them. This is why you speak truth to someone, even if it might cause them to view you as an enemy. A secure son or daughter is freed to receive God's care. Because in Christ, their fear and their pride is being healed. The idols of their hearts are being toppled over so that Christ would reign supreme and so church when God's care comes to you by means of God's truth being proclaimed to you or read to you or given to you you've got a decision to make do you want to go to jail or the hospital do you want to become more enslaved to your sin and to yourself and all your insecurities or do you want to receive the care that you need from God In 1999, a 25-year-old man was arrested after robbing a Stride Wright shoe store in New Jersey. He served 15 years in prison. And on the day after he was released from prison, he went back to that same Stride Wright shoe store and he robbed it again. And got caught the same way and got put back in prison again. And the police chief, in an interview, i mean he's a bit confounded and perplexed by this whole thing. I mean, why even stride right? you know doesn't, like there are other places to rob, but why why would this guy, on the day after getting out of prison, go back and do the same thing to be put right back into prison he He is perplexed as much as the apostle Paul is perplexed about the Galatians right now, and the police chief he speculated that Maybe prison life is the only life he knows and feels secure with. And so he went and did the same thing, got caught the same way, so that he could go back to living where he felt the most secure. Church, don't let your insecurities cause you to go back to the prison of your sin and idolatry that you are used to. You have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God. Be secure in that. Be secure in the finished work of Christ. Be so secure in that that you can be freed from your plans for God's plans. Be so secure in the finished work of Christ that you can be freed from using people to now loving people. Be so secure in the finished work of Christ that you can be now freed to receive God's care which comes to you through people speaking God's truth to you until Christ is formed in you. And so church, if there are some insecurities that you are experiencing right now, I think we need to address those this morning. Don't go out of here and just do the same thing you've always done because that's what you're most comfortable with and just go back to being enslaved to those insecurities. No, let me encourage you today, as God has maybe brings some of these things to light, as he brings some of these insecurity to mind, would you prayerfully consider What insecurities that you are being enslaved to right now, and would you please confess those to God and then grab another brother or sister, grab a pastor before the morning's over. Would you share those, confess those, and pray together for these things? Pray that we might move past some of these insecurities. Pray that we would experience a security in God. And so let me ask you even now, bow your heads with me and we're going to ask the lord to just to reveal some things in our hearts and worship team you can come back up to